Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. Jonah went through, and this is what happens when we sin. Jonah wasted time. Can he get that time back? He can't get that time back. That's why the Bible tells us to redeem the time. When we sin and when we go against God, we waste time, which we can't get back. And many times, like Jonah, we suffer unnecessary losses. Right? Did Jonah have to be in the belly of a fish? Did he have to get thrown overboard in a boat? Did he have to be vomited out of the mouth of a fish? On the, All that was unnecessary. Because this book could have been a one-chapter book. Have you ever done something you wish you hadn't done and wasted valuable time because of it? We all make mistakes, and in those mistakes, we lose time that we will never get back. Today, Pastor Bill wants you to know that surrendering yourself to God will give you the most productive and impactful life that you could possibly have. When you let Him take control, you begin a life that's prosperous and not a second goes to waste. Stop ignoring the massive potential for your life and let God take control. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Jonah chapter 3 as he begins his message, Second Chances. Father in heaven, we do just thank you for the opportunity to gather today, God. Thank you for this place. Thank you for just the opportunity to gather, to praise and worship you, Lord, to be among your people. And uh, Lord, right now, as we study your word, we believe it's everything that you say it in, God. We believe it's living. It's powerful. These words save souls and change lives. They give divine direction and they teach us all about who you are. Would you speak to us, Lord, as Jonah gets a second chance? God, would you speak to us about how you give second chances? God, I pray for those that are even in our midst today that need to be encouraged, that they can they can try again. That, Lord, because of you, because of what you make available, God, they can have a second chance in you. God, I pray you would stir our hearts today through the message that we hear. Speak to each of us what we need to hear from you today, Lord. We ask these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. All right, well, I want to give a brief recap. We've been making our way through Jonah. I got to kind of catch you up to where we are so it makes sense. Jonah is uh, the name of a prophet of God. God had called him specifically to go to a place called Nineveh. Jonah chapter one, we talked about how the Nineveh was, it was a wicked place. The people there, the Assyrians were wicked. The things that they did, they worshiped false gods. They tortured their captives. They were one of the, they were most known for their tactics, how they tortured and mistreated those who they would capture. And we talked about some of those things. They filleted people openly. I mean, literally filleted people alive. They hung people up. They had, you know, piles of bodies and skulls and different things like that. They made it a point to treat people so bad that people would fear them. And so when God told Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh and I want you to give them the message because their sin has come up before me. Jonah said, no, I don't want to go. And we believe the reason Jonah didn't want to go because Jonah was like, no, I want them to be judged. I hate them. Uh, We said it would be like sending a Jew after the Holocaust and all those things that happened, say, hey, we want you to go to Nazi Germany. Um, it, it It was that sort of thing that God was calling Jonah to. And so we spoke in that early message about racism and how it never aligned. There's never going to be a place for that in in Christ. Amen. There's never going to be a place in Christ for me to hate a group, to hate a people, because even though these people were exceedingly wicked, guess what? This exceedingly wicked people, God said, I want to send someone to go and warn them because God would rather that they repent than that they be judged. That's always God's heart. And so that needs to become our heart 
as his children. So that was in chapter one. Jonah went the opposite way. You know, long story short, he gets thrown overboard on the boat he went on. Then it says that the Lord prepared a great fish, swallowed Jonah whole. A lot of people call it a whale. We don't know if it was a whale or not. We know it was a great fish. I think it might have been a one-off, that this might have been one. Just a fish God uniquely prepared, but it swallowed Jonah whole. And how long did it take Jonah in the belly of the fish before he repented? Three days and three nights, which Jesus would use in Matthew's gospel as a sign of what he was going to do. Jesus said, just like Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. So the son of man would be in the belly of the earth three days and three nights before he comes back, before he resurrects. That's how we know the book of Jonah is not a fairy tale, not a fable. Jesus thought it was a real story. Jesus referred to him as a real person and a real story. So so I'm going to take the book of Jonah as a real story about a real person, a real work of God. So chapter two is Jonah's prayer of repentance. He finally breaks three days and three nights in, even though that seems like a long time to finally break. He breaks and he says, "Okay, okay, okay." And he, he submits and he surrenders to the Lord and he repents in the belly of the fish. And at the end of chapter two, it's after he prayed this. All of chapter two is his prayer. He made a, he recommitted his life to the Lord. Verse 10 of chapter two, it says, so the Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. I would just mark there that God's response to repentance is forgiveness, is mercy, and many times is restoration. I titled chapter three, second chances, because that's what we're going to see Jonah get. Uh, He's going to get a second chance to do what God had told him to do in the first place. And so we will learn here today that God does give second chances. Look at chapter three, verse one. It says, now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time saying, arise, go to Nineveh, that great city and preach to it the message that I tell you. Something I would point out here is it says the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. And I want you to note that the message didn't change. What God had wanted Jonah to do didn't change. And that's just important for us to know. God has told you to do something. If you hold out, is God going to change his mind about what he wants you to do? No. Is God going to change his mind about what he's called you to do? No, he's not. God will never, God's not going to change. Jonah went through, and this is what happens when we sin. Jonah wasted time. Can he get that time back? He can't get that time back. That's why the Bible tells us to redeem the time. When we sin and when we go against God, we waste time, which we can't get back. And many times, like Jonah, we suffer unnecessary losses. Right? Did Jonah have to be in the belly of a fish? Did he have to get thrown overboard in a boat? Did he have to be vomited out of the mouth of a fish? On the, All that was unnecessary. Because this book could have been a one chapter book. This book could have been, God said, Jonah, go to Nineveh. Jonah said, yes, Lord. Went to Nineveh. Said the eight word message. Everybody got saved. Boom. That's what this book, but it's four chapters. Because Jonah was a knucklehead. And Jonah didn't, he didn't, he didn't yield and respond to the Lord easily. And so one thing I want you to, I would ask you to ask yourself this question. Have you ever wanted a second chance? Has there ever been anything that you've done where you're like, man, I really badly wish I could have a second chance. I I would do that different if I could. Because some things in life, you can't go back and get another chance. But God is going to, God grants Jonah another opportunity to do the same thing. As I was kind of thinking this over, now there are many things in my life that I would have liked a second chance on. Uh, Some of it wouldn't even be appropriate for Sunday morning, but one that I thought you guys could appreciate. Some of you guys know I have a sister that's one year older than me. And as kids, that was a, we wore, me and her were always battling everything else. Um, when we were smaller, she was kind of a tomboy. So I was always trying to like get her away from me and my friends. Like go do some girl stuff. Like we're over here doing bikes, you know, 
Well, I played baseball when I was younger, and so she decided that she wanted to play, and it was co-ed, so she was on my baseball team. Well, that's, you know, that was annoying, but I'm like, okay, well, she just can't be better than me on my baseball team. So we're on the baseball team, and I'm, you know, I just can't let her be better than me. Well, I made this mistake one day. Being a prankster kid and goofy and stuff like that, it was the last game before we would go to playoffs. My next door neighbor was on the team. I was on the team with my friends. My sister was on the team. And they were going to pick a handful of kids that can go to the playoffs. I expected to be one of them. So the week before, we had a park, uh, a game at the park, and I got dared. We thought it would be really funny if somebody overran it, but like really like just kept running far. And I was like, I'll do it. That sounds so fun, you know. So I, I got a first base, and I just went. I went far. I ran, 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 ran. And I'm like busting up laughing. I think it's, you know, hilarious. Well, the coach is irate. Uh, he goes off. He's irate. My mom, who always had my back, thinking I had made an honest mistake. Poor kid. Didn't know the difference. You know, she's arguing with him for me and all this stuff. So I did that the week before this playoff selection. So when it came in, guess who got to go to playoffs and who didn't? My sister got called and they were like, yeah, we're not going to need him. And I was like, no, if I could have just, I remember the regret was heavy. It was like, I, it was so embarrassing because my mom was going to make me go support my sister. I got to go watch her be in the playoff game and I don't get to go. She got the special shirt and you know, you know how brother, she rubbed it in tough. I mean, it was like, she got her hat. She was like, you didn't, you didn't get one of these, did you? Did you boy, you know? And I remember just the heaviness of the regret, and there was nothing I could do to repair it or fix it. I was going to be watching her at this playoff game. That scarred me. I'm still thinking about it now. I might have cried, you know. So, so as I look at Jonah here, I didn't cry. I just, it didn't went that bad. But anyway, Jonah, I just look at this and think, God, is, God says, I'm going to give you another chance. You're going to get another opportunity to do what I, I called you to go to Nineveh. You wasted some time. You were walked in rebellion. You didn't obey my voice. But now that you're sorry, now that you've repented, there's two things happening, right? One of the fruits of repentance is that we do different. So God says, yeah, I'm going to tell you to do the same thing and see if we get a new response because your last response was bad. But I'm going to tell you the exact same thing and let's see if we get a different response out of you. Something that's important to note, some of you guys have the call of God upon your life in areas of ministry. Does God change his mind about that? No, he doesn't. Write down Romans 11, 29. Romans chapter 11, verse 29, and write that down and just, if, just write this in your notes. It says this, it's for the, for the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. The gifts that God gives us and his calling upon our life, God's irrevocable. I won't change it. I won't turn it over. It's what I've called you to do. So he won't take it back. He won't change his mind. Uh, it's, it's really kind of determined, this determined rather we will submit and surrender and obey what God has called us to do. And so Jonah gets the same message, arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach to it the message that I tell you. And so Jonah's going to get to display now his own repentance through obedience. And I wanted to say a few things on repentance before we move on, because I think a lot of times in the church, uh, people confuse repentance with maybe acknowledging sin or confessing sin. I want you to understand the difference. Uh, to confess your sin is basically coming into agreement with God that what I did was wrong. That's where we start at. So if, if, I, if I rage and do something in anger or whatever, and I, when I confess, I'm saying, God, I agree with your word that that was wrong for me to say that. That's the beginning of, of repentance. I'm acknowledging that what I did was wrong. So someone that can't acknowledge what they did was wrong can't even repent. 
you know, the stuff that, you know, you can get away with in the world, you know, telling somebody, well, if I'm sorry that that offended you, would that work with the Lord? Can you tell God, God, if that, if that bothered you, I'm sorry. Could that work with the Lord? That's how people sometimes falsely repent to one another. When you're really not sorry for what you did, but somebody was really hurt by it and they confront you, that's the most unapologetic thing you could do is say, well, I'm sorry that you're offended by that. I'm saying I'm, I'm really just sorry that you took offense. I'm not sorry for what I did. I'm not acknowledging what I did was wrong. I'm just I'm sorry for you. I'm so sorry that that bothers you. Right. Don't ever come at the Lord like that. It won't work. I promise you. So confession is saying, God, I agree that that was wrong. It was a sin and I'm sorry for it. That's confession. That's a starting point. Repentance is much more than confession. Repentance is actually takes work. Repentance means now I'm moving in a new direction. Now I've acknowledged that that was wrong. I confessed that it was sin, but now I'm not going to do it anymore. Now presented with the same opportunity, I'm going to make a different choice because I'm turning away from that, Lord, to do the things your way, to move in your direction. And so repentance is not, it may happen in a moment, but it's going to be fleshed out over time. Repentance has to be seen. And so someone can say, I repent. We'll see. That's an appropriate response. Right. If, if I've been a drug addict for years and I say I, I, I repented of my OK, time will tell. We'll see over time. If I repent of a bad attitude, I can tell you I repent of, of how I OK, we'll see. Time will tell if you repented. You can't tell me you repented. Your actions will tell me you repented. Do we see the difference? You can't tell somebody you repented. They can tell you. They can watch your life and say, wow, you changed in that area. You, you used to respond like this, but now you don't. You changed. Right. Someone outside, if you're married, your husband or wife can tell you you've repented. They can watch your life and say, you're really doing so much better in that area because you used to do this. But now you don't you used to respond like that real quick. But now I'm see I see a difference. I recognize it, I see it in you. People can see that we're repenting and you'll recognize it over time. But know that it's not something, you know, a lot of people just, you know, I, I, I repent. Well, OK, let's want to watch for a while. So Jonah's repentance will be seen. And I want you to know this from the Lord's perspective, right? You know, God has the power to punish. I hope we all know that. I hope we know that God should be reverenced and feared. And sometimes God is prepared to bring discipline and judgment upon us. But when we repent, God says, okay, I, you know, he, God's not looking for the next opportunity to spank you. I, I don't think, I hope no parent here is waiting for their kid to mess up. I'm, I'm waiting for them. I got a new belt. Well, I can't wait to me- do something else. You know, no, no good parent is waiting for an opportunity to discipline. Our, we all prefer not to where we'd all prefer that they obey. Then we could all just be blessed. That's what we all prefer. God's better than you. So God's not looking for the next opportunity to discipline you. God said, I really rather you obey me so I can bless you and we can have a sweet relationship. Your life could be fruitful. I'll be glorified to be great. That's what he prefer. Right down Acts chapter three, verse 19. Well, Peter in that message said, repent, therefore, and be converted that your sins may be blotted out. And it says so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. After they repent, after people repent, God says there'll be times of refreshing that come. You'll be back in my presence again. It'll be sweet between me and you. Again, our relationship will be restored. Times of refreshing from the presence. That's what God says will happen as people repented there. Psalm 34, verse 18. It says the Lord is near unto them that are have a broken heart, such as have a contrite spirit. And so with God, it matters that I come that there's a there's a brokenness. Right. If I can't come to God in arrogance, when I'm finally broken over my sin, anybody here that's ever had to repent, you eventually get to the place. This is what the Holy Spirit does inside. 
God brings you to the place where you start to feel about your sin the way God does. You start to hate it, loathe it, despise it. I hate what I've done. I hate that I keep doing this. And God's like, that's what I'm, I'm working at in you. Because what that does is make you feel about your sin the way I feel about your sin. Then you want to get rid of it. And then you start coming to me to ask for help. And I'm there to help you overcome it. And so, but God said, when, I, when there's a contrite heart, God said, I won't despise that. Oh, I, that's wrong. I give you that verse. That's Psalm 51, verse 17, where he said, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. Oh, God, thou will not despise. God won't despise or reject or turn away somebody that's got a broken and a contrite heart. God's not like you come to the Lord broken. God says, I, 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 that's all we got. We got brokenness. Um, God will work from that place in our lives. And so for anybody struggling with making their way back to the Lord, right? How do I get back right with the Lord? What, what is it that needs to happen? We already know that we, we already know what Christ did. He died on the cross in your place so you can be in relationship with the Lord in the first place. Right. He shed his blood that we could be cleansed and forgiven and made right in God's sight. But is there anything that we need to do? Yeah. Yeah. Just because Jesus died on the cross and rose again, that doesn't mean you can live your life any old kind of way and still be tight with the light. It's going to be right with you and the Lord. If there's sin, sin brings separation. Sin brings division. Sin damages your relationship with the Lord. And though positionally you might be the same, just like everybody here that we have kids, right? My kids are going to be my kids. There's nothing they can do to, to unbecome my kids, right? But could they do things to damage our relationship? Of course, right? We could damage the relationship, but they're still my kids. They still bear my image and my name and everything else, but they, we, they could damage a relationship. So too with the Lord, right? God won't disown you, but you could damage a relationship. And so we talk about repentance for the believer. We want to have a good relationship with the Lord. Amen. I want to be I want to be good with the Lord. There's somebody I want to be in good standing with. I want to be in good standing with the Lord. And so God says, well, then repentance is how we get there. When you mess up, you repent, turn away from whatever you've been doing. Turn back to me and we can be right again. This is Isaiah 55 verse seven it says, let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man, his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord. And that this is what God will do. And he will have mercy on him and to our God. For he will abundantly pardon. God says, you turn back to me, I'll have mercy on you. Anybody that don't know what mercy is, mercy is when you don't get what you deserve. Mercy is when you deserve punishment, but you don't get it. Grace is when you get what you don't deserve. You know, God gives you, blesses you, and you don't deserve it. But mercy is when God says, you deserved it, but I didn't give it to you. And God says, as we turn to him, he says, he'll have mercy upon us. And so moving on now, let's look at Jonah chapter three, verse three. This time Jonah obeys. It says, so Jonah arose and he went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now, Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, a three day journey in extent. The area of Nineveh was so large, it would take three days to journey across it. Verse four. And Jonah began to enter the city on the first day's walk. Then he cried out and said, yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. So a couple things. Jonah got on a boat going to Tarshish, which is as far away from Nineveh as you can go. He gets thrown overboard, swallowed by the great fish. The fish ends up vomiting Jonah out one day's. I mean, he's, he's within on the first day's journey. He got to Nineveh. God brought him back in the direction that he needed to go in. God used the trial of the great fish. God you the fish was moving in the right direction. God got Jonah back where he needed to be. Jonah has the heart to do what God has told him to do. And so Jonah's a day's one day's walk 
from Nineveh. And it says he began to enter the city on the first day's walk. And I just, these are thoughts I had I want you to consider with me. What was Jonah, what was going through his mind, right? He just got vomited out of a fish. That's, that's traumatic. I don't, even though he sinned and he repented, that's traumatic. He got vomited out of a fish. What's he look like? What's he smell like? What's he thinking, right? He still knows the people of Nineveh are wicked, wicked people, right? If I go, are they going to kill me? If I go tell these people what God told me to tell them, are they going to? We don't know that we don't get any of that commentary in the word. We just know that he went. And I want to make a point here, right? doesn't matter what he felt like. doesn't matter what he went through. All that matters is that he did what? Obey the Lord. Don't forget that. Does God care about my feelings? Not as much as I do. Um, sometimes I'm like, well, God, God knows my feelings. And God's like, God, don't just stop feeling so much. Obey me. Right. How many of you care about what your kids feel like when you tell them to do something? Right. How many of you tell your kids to do something they don't feel like doing? Hey, wake up. Who feels like waking up when they get told? Nobody. The Lord is, is no different. Right. He's the authority in our lives. If God says do something, he's not worried. But I, I just not sure. I feel like it, to stop feeling it. Stop feeling and obey. Obey, obey God because he's God. Amen. That'll save us so much time. A lot of this is what Christians do. It's bogus, though. Something that Christians do to spiritualize disobedience is they'll say, I'm really praying about this. What they really saying is, I know God said go, but I'm really not ready to go. My faith is not there yet. I'm not I'm not ready to obey that yet. So let me pray a little longer. Maybe if I pray long enough, I'll feel like obeying. I'm going to get counsel from 10 different people of varying spiritual, you know, uh, you know, qualifications. And eventually someone's going to tell me that I'm OK right where I'm at, because that's exactly what people do. When God has said do something, this is my habit. I don't talk to nobody. You can ask Mika. If God says something to me, I'll tell Mika. I'm not this is I'm not opening. This is not we're not going to have a conversation about it. I'm not listening to me or you or anybody else. Like God said, do this. So we're going to do it. Done. Roll out. Let, this is what we're going to do. Let him verify it later on. But we're going to move in that direction. Not really worth the conversation. Right. Any conversation we have is irrelevant if he's already spoken with clarity. Now, there are times where there's unclarity. Let's talk. Let's pray. Let's discuss. Let's think. But when God has spoken, there's nothing to talk about. I don't need counsel. I don't need to have three people say yes, yes, and high five it and just do it. Do it because he's God and he said do it. So I just want to point that out. The Bible doesn't tell us how Jonah felt. It doesn't tell us if he was afraid. It doesn't tell us if he was embarrassed. He was all, you know, whatever he had on him getting thrown out of the fish. We don't even know what he had gone through physiologically from being in the fish. We have no idea. And I just want you to know none of it matters. Didn't matter how he was feeling. Didn't matter if he was tired. He hadn't eaten in three days. I know he wasn't eating in the belly of the fish. Uh, he's probably tired, thirsty, hungry, stanky. But it was time to go, right? Here's your second chance to do what God said do. And God said, I want you to go. And he got up and he got going. And so I just, I, I want you to understand that from God's perspective, obedience is the most important thing. God wants my obedience. That's what he wants from you and me, right? What can you give God, right? Think about this. He's giving you everything. What can you give God? I can't give him nothing but my obedience. My, my obedience, my surrendered life, that's what I have to offer God that he doesn't have by default. Everything else in the world, God has by default. But in, when, I, when I am worshiping and in reverence of him, obey him, if that's the one thing I can give God that he doesn't, that he doesn't have by default. He didn't have the hearts of men. There's a few places in the Bible where it says God is looking. Guess what he's looking for? Hearts that are loyal to him. Right? That's what God's going around looking for. Second Chronicles chapter 16, verse nine. It says the eyes of the Lord go to and fro throughout the whole earth, seeking to show himself strong on behalf of those whose hearts are loyal to him. 
John 4, when Jesus was ministering to the woman at the well, he said the father is, he said that there's coming a time where people are going to worship him in spirit and in truth. It says the father is seeking such, looking for people that will worship him in spirit and in truth. And so would we be those kind of people that God would look down and say, I got some people here. You've been listening to another edition of A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Thanks for tuning in. If you missed any part of this message or want to explore more of Pastor Bill's messages, visit our website, calvaryinglewood.org. You'll also find links to our app. This way you can take biblical teaching and God's Word with you wherever you go. You can simply click on the link at our website or search for Calvary Chapel Inglewood in your app store. If you're ever in the Inglewood area, we'd like to meet you. Our services are held on Sunday mornings at 9 and 11 and on Wednesday evenings at 7. And you're welcome to attend any and all of them. We'll spend time diving deeper into God's Word, worshiping our Savior, and just getting to know one another better. We'd be honored to have you join us. And if you're unable to visit us in person, we stream our services online. For more information, just visit CalvaryInglewood.org or feel free to text. You can reach us at 310-245-4811. That's 310-245-4811. Thanks for tuning in today to A Transforming Word. Next time, Pastor Bill will continue teaching through the book of Jonah. There's much to learn and to apply to your life today, even though Jonah's story took place long ago. That's the beauty of the Bible. God's Word is timeless. Feel free to read ahead and be sure to join us again right here on A Transforming Word.